Hey, it's Brandon with the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Thank you for joining me. I have to first start off and apologize if you happen to hear some background noise or maybe a lawnmower. I am deep in the Life of an Average Joe podcast studios, aka outside right now, because it's gorgeous and I don't care about production. So I'm going to be outside. But if you've listened to the Life of an Average Joe podcast, then thank you for the continuation and the support and the following. We are everywhere. We just got signed up with Amazon. Totally excited about that. And of course, you can find us right here on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. We're all over the place. I mean, it's just growing. And today, we're going to talk about a piece of history in the life of an average Joe, and that was my trip to Ireland. I know people have traveled a lot more than I have in my life. I, I mean, I look at my life, and I've, I've been to a lot of places in the United States. There's still a ton of places that I need to go to. I've never seen the Grand Canyon. Never. I've obviously never been to Hawaii. And shockingly enough, that's not one that's on my list. It, it's on my list, but it's further down. I would rather go to the Grand Canyon first than Hawaii. I know that sounds weird because obviously Hawaii is gorgeous and beautiful, but the cost of it is really what I what I kind of cringe at. Of course, right now, who knows? It's COVID. They might give you a COVID deal. But the Grand Canyon is beautiful. And it's right here. I mean, I could drive to it if I wanted to. But there's all kinds of places. Like I'd love to go to Alaska, you know. But I've been to, you know, plenty of states and plenty of great things in this country. And, you know, I've, I was in Detroit. I mean, I lived in Michigan. So crossing over to Canada is not a big deal. Driving up to Niagara Falls, not a big deal. But out of the country, I've been to very minimal. And we'll talk about some of my other trips. But out of the country, I've been very minimal. And I remember thinking to myself, and this all kind of happened very oddly, as most things do in my life. I need to go somewhere. At the time, I was working in Frisco, Texas at the Londoner, which is no longer around. Um, It turned to the British Lion, and then that's no longer around. Of course, the Londoner, if you're not familiar with it, is right next to FC Dallas Stadium. I know it's called Toyota Stadium, but I hate corporate names. So it's FC Dallas Stadium. And it was a big soccer pub. And when I discovered the Londoner, I wasn't working there at the time. I was just moved to Texas, and I was kind of exploring the area, and people had told me that I had met, check out Frisco Square. You know, that's kind of the hub, and this we're talking 11 years ago. So there you go. Look at what's changed in Frisco if you're from the area, and if you don't know about Frisco, look it up. You can see the growth that has happened in this time, Um, but I was a big, you know... (laughs) fan of of obviously bars and soccer. I love soccer. So when I Googled Frisco Square and I found out about FC Dallas, I had to go check it out. Now at the time, there was a lot of, you know, Frisco Square looked very differently. There was only two apartment complexes, the ones that are above, of course, all the stores and, and well, there's no stores there now, but uh, above some of the businesses in Frisco Square. And then there was one off to the side. And you had the library, city hall, and you had some restaurants. Uh, there was a hamburger place next to Matito's, which is no longer there. It's a different place. Uh, and, and you had a, an Irish pub right down the street, which is now Jake's Burgers. I wish it was the Irish pub again. But, you know, it was kind of a, 
you could walk around. You know, you could walk around, get a snack, check out some of the shops, and then grab a beer. And I loved it. I loved the idea of living above stores in a quote-unquote city-type atmosphere, but you're not paying Chicago, Dallas, New York prices, even Detroit prices. And I loved it that the stadium was right there. I mean, this was pre-renovation. So this was still an impressive look for me that FC Dallas, I've got a major league soccer team in my backyard, and I can go there and not only watch soccer, but there's an Irish pub down the street. So I was in the Irish pub, and I was, you know, just talking to people there by myself. Didn't really know anybody in Texas. I mean, besides my buddy Ken and a girl named Lauren that we probably won't talk about right now. But um, <laughs> sorry, Lauren, if you're out there listening. My bad. I was a jerk. But um, I was sitting there p- drinking a Guinness. If you're in an Irish pub and you're new to Texas, and I didn't, you know, they had some local beers, but not really because at the time... 11 years ago, there wasn't much of the local beer scene in the, in the DFW area, especially northern DFW. But I know they had a couple, um, and I think one of them was RAR and, of course, Shiner, but we've already discussed that. But I wanted a Guinness. It was nitro, proper pints, poured properly. I was impressed. And sometimes when I see a Guinness in a bar... I like to test the bartenders out. I want to make sure they are pouring it properly and it's served in a proper glass. And if they don't pour it properly, I'll pay for it, but I'm not drinking it. Am I a snob? Whatever you want to call me. But the reality is, as I'm going to get to, I've been to Ireland. I know the reasons behind pouring Guinness the proper way. This was before my Ireland trip, but I knew them then because I'm not a dummy and I love beer. But they poured it properly, and I had a blast. I was sipping on it. I asked them what was in the area, and they told me that the Londoner was an English pub just down the street in walking distance. So I finished my pint, my Guinness. I walked past the stadium. No games were going on at the time or anything. And I walked down to the Londoner Frisco. I sat down at the bar. It was lunchtime. It was kind of dead. There was a bartender there named George. And look, George, if you're out there listening, man, you you know the history, brother. George was an awesome bartender, and we kicked it. We were talking, and he was telling me about the area, telling me about the Londoner, and I, I didn't eat anything, but I saw they had Jack Honey. And at the time, Jack Honey was relatively new. Not super new, but relatively new. Now, you can judge me all you want, and you can make fun of me all you want. I love Jack honey. I can drink a whole bottle of it and I love it. You put it in lemonade in the summertime. If you want Sprite, you can do that. Jack honey and Coke zero, which by my third one, it's Jack honey with a, with just coloring. I know it's a little sweet. I I understand that. And I don't drink it for the whiskey taste. I just like it, man. It's something about it. It hits me. I haven't had it in a long time. Except for some candies, sidebar, David Harvey, one of the Knights of the Bar Top, got me Jack Honey chocolates with Jack Honey in it. Those things are delicious. But anyway, now that I'm talking about it, I need to go buy a bottle and maybe I should restart this podcast. But anyway, so I, I, you know, George gave me the Jack Honey. So I started going there on a regular basis. I drank the whole bottle. So they were out of Jack Honey. George made me Jack Honey. He got Jack Daniels and put honey in it and stirred it, and I bought it. 
He kept ordering the bottles because of me. So I became a regular at the Londoner, meeting people, vice versa, whatever. Lo and behold, I started working there. Now, I can say this because I want to and uh, because I, you know, it's closed. They had the audacity of hiring me as a server. Here's a guy with all this bartending experience, bar manager experience, and they hired me as a server. And I think they hired me as a server because they didn't want anybody, they didn't want any more guys behind the bar. That's what the owner had said. No more guys behind the bar. He wanted girls. Like most managers or most owners, let's bring in some hot girls because they're going to bring us money. Well, that works for a short period of time. But if the hot girls don't know anything about drinks or beer, you're going to lose money. But anyway, so I, I, I said, okay, I'll take it. Because in my head, and I remember telling my buddy Jordan this, I looked at him and I said, I'm going to run this place one day. Well, a month later, I was bar manager. A month later, I was general manager. Now, there's some ugly history that goes after that, but I'm not going to tell you about that right now. That's going to be in the book release, so you'll have to wait for the book. But it was there that I decided the seeds were planted, the pints were poured on my trip to Ireland. We were doing all kinds of events at the Londoner at the time. You know, you're right in the backyard of FC Dallas. We ended up becoming the man city, the heart of the city, the official man city pub in Dallas, in the Dallas area, I should say. We had games on at 7 a.m. Premier League was on. 100 people there watching soccer. It was amazing. I mean, regardless of how it ended and the fact that the Londoner is not around anymore, my experience there was awesome. I met some great people that I still talk to today. I met some great contacts there that I still talk to today. And I met some people that I don't like, <laughs> that I don't talk to today. But the Londoner itself was a great experience. It had characteristics. It had, it had characteristics. It had character. It wasn't just a bar. You walked in and it was dark. And I mean, and when I took over, I kept it really dark. After a certain time, it was 21 and up. I mean, you filled the place with crazed soccer fans. You felt for a minute like you were not in Frisco. You felt like you could be in England. You could be in Europe. You could be overseas watching some amazing matches. And it was a great experience. It was one of those times I look back in history and I say, this was a bar that should have never closed. But like many bars, owners and managers, not me, uh, destroy it and burn it to the ground. But again, I digress. So I had a really great chef there named Keith, and he passed away. Again, that's in my book. Um, we talk about that. But we like to come up with different things. We worked really good together. I mean, we just did. It was a good team. He ran the kitchen. We talked about P&Ls, but I didn't have to deal with the kitchen. He handled it. And he was awesome. Um, that being said... He would like to come up with new dishes and we would pair things. We would have, when we did pint nights, we would do, for example, when Martin House came out with pretzel stout, we did pretzels with a beer, you know, a beer cheese with the pretzel stout or a Martin House beer. I don't think the pretzel stout made a very good beer cheese, but we did use Martin House beer in it. Um, we did all kinds of pairings and things like that. I wanted to have some sort of dinner. 
you know, let's do a beer dinner or something. It's a few months of me getting my feet wet and understanding what to do at the Londoner and, and how to market it and things like that. And one of my reps came in, and I believe it was Glazier, so I'd have to go back to my notes, but it, it could have been Republic, and I apologize if I'm confused. And she came in and said, Brandon, I want to talk to you about uh, doing an event with Jameson. Well, first off, he said Jameson. Everybody knows I love Jameson or Jamo because that's what we call it in the industry, not because it's some techno term, but techno term. See, I'm shortening everything now. Uh, not because it's some technical term. It's just what happens. Give me some Jamo. I don't like it, but it's stuck in my head. So Jameson is something that I love. And we had all the Jamesons there. I mean, we had the specials. We had Red Breast. We had all of them there. Because we had a great bourbon and whiskey selection on top of the beer tabs. So I said, of course I'll do an event with Jameson. Well, I'm going to, you know, she told me, you know, sometime next week, I think, I'm driving around with the ambassador from Jameson to go to Key Accounts. And you guys are a Key Account. I'd love to do an event together. And I was like, ah. The ambassador to Jameson. Now, typically, that's just a big name for somebody that represents. You know, you're a brand ambassador. But he was coming from Ireland. He was coming from Ireland to Texas. He was going to be in Austin, and he was going to come up here. And he was creating events. That's when I got really excited. You know, having a brand ambassador put an event together with a product you like is great. But having a brand ambassador come from Ireland that works for Jameson was possibly one of the coolest things I could ever hear. So I think a week went by, if I'm not mistaken, and I was I was started to talk to Keith about doing some ideas, and, and he said, well, we can do a tasting and maybe pair something together and, you know, have a some sort of Jameson event. And I wasn't sure, you know, what exactly was in store. Was this guy going to come for an hour and leave? You know, what was, what was he going to give? And I was thinking of all these things and my mind going, was going crazy. So I was sitting there talking uh, to Keith after work one day, and it might have been during work, and I think we were drinking, I'm sure we were drinking some high ABV beer that I, <laughs> that I shouldn't have been drinking. But um, <laughs> uh, we were discussing events, and I got a phone call from the rep. Hey, can you meet tomorrow? He's coming up here. And it was my day off, one of my only days off. Now, everybody that's worked with me, especially at the Londoner at the time because I live so close, knew typically on my days off I stopped in. It was very rare that I didn't stop in on my days off. I worked all the time. I believed in it. I was too controlling. I was a really good general manager and also at times a bad one because I didn't delegate. But I would come in. And I said, sure, I'll be there. We're going to talk to the Jameson rep from Ireland. When am I going to say no? So I showed up the next day. Keith was there. But I had the meeting without Keith. This dude shows up with bags, <laughs> bags of swag. I mean, he's got Jameson keychains, Jameson uh, church keys, which is what we call the you know bar keys. He's got hats, T-shirts, wristbands, shot glasses, mini Jameson bottles, stickers. Like, I, needless to say, I took a whole bag home like I was checking it onto an airplane. And I still have some of it, although most of it's got 
distributed through the years, except for my bag, which by the way, ironically, was my overnight bag when Luke was born. So, and we almost named Luke Jameson, by the way. But anyway, um, I'm kind of glad we did it, even though I think that's a great name. So we sit down. He's got a thick Irish accent. Now, I can't do very many impressions. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to sit there and do an Irish accent because it always comes out Scottish, and I sound like the dude from Star Trek. So um, that being said, I um, talked to him about the you know ideas. And at the time, they weren't necessarily promoting something specific. They were just promoting Jameson. So I sat there and I said, okay, well, let's do this. We carry all of your brands, every single one we have here. And he said, well, maybe we can do a pairing. And then I said, what if we did a food pairing? Like, yes, I know we're doing a food pairing, like little samples, but what if we did like a major meal? And then I brought Keith in and Keith said, what if we do a dinner? And I said, that's it. Let's do a four course meal. We'll sell tickets in advance. You will get to try these. And would that be something to be interested in? And the guy said, I love it. I have to fly back to Ireland, but I'll come back in the next couple months. We exchange emails. We tied it in. Boom. Brandon, the marketing started happening. We put it together. I got posters made and we started to do a Jameson dinner. And I believe it was $50 a ticket, but you got a four course, four course meal. You got to not only try four different Jamesons. We included Redbreast, because you know that comes from Jameson, by the way. If you didn't know that, they're owned by the same people. And of course, the old school Jameson, as I like to call it, the OG. You got to do that. 50 bucks? Perfect. And that was for one ticket. Now, when you do the math, if you add it up, these weren't just little samples of Jameson. These were nice, you know, shots. The average Jameson shot is six to seven bucks. Plus, you're getting a meal on top of that. I mean, it's amazing. Then you get higher, Jameson 18. Sometimes it's $18. So this was a great deal. Um, and we did that, and it was, it was really cool. So I decided to do tickets because I wanted, um, uh, you know, I wanted to really get an idea of how many people would come, and I wanted to put a cap on it. And I wanted to make sure that we had good quality food and it wasn't too crowded because this was my first dinner and I didn't want to screw it up, obviously. So I sat there and I said, let's cap it off at 50 people. Um, that way, Keith can cook enough and I can sell enough tickets. I know I can sell 50 tickets. This is the Londoner's first, this location's first real dinner, real event like this. I can do it. We sold those tickets in two days. I emailed the Jameson rep. I'll get to his name in a minute. I emailed the Jameson rep, told him. A couple days later, he got back to me. I'm I'm coming. I can't wait. I'm excited. He was only doing three events. Two were going to be in Austin during that month that he was coming back. And we were the third one in Frisco, Texas. So he came back. The event was phenomenal. The food was amazing. I mean, the food, props to Keith out there in heaven. I love you, brother. 
amazing. Everybody had a great time. One of my most favorite events I've ever done. Very exciting. So after the event, me and the Jameson rep, by the way, his name is Dylan. I'm just going to tell you that. There's a purpose for that. I kept on, (laughs) the whole time I kept on thinking he was saying Dana. And I'm not going to judge if your name's Dana. I know a Dana, and that's my cousin, and she's a girl. And I know another Dana, and she was one of my bartenders. But I kept on thinking his name was Dana, so I didn't know what to call him. And whenever I checked back on the emails, for some reason, it was like his email was getting cut off, and I never saw his name. I know he wrote it, but I never saw it. So I never wanted to call him by his name because I thought it was Dana and I was waiting for him. I'm like, what if I'm wrong? Like, that's really insulting. Well, it was Dylan. So I was wrong. (laughs) But anywho, we were talking, we're drinking Jameson. And I said, man, I really love to go to Ireland. And he started talking to me about the different cities. And I mean, I knew a little history and started talking to me about all kinds of stuff. You know, what he does there at Jameson you know, he, he hasn't always lived there, but he was born and raised there, obviously. And he hasn't, um, you know, he's lived in other parts of Europe and he's never lived in the States. Uh, it's him and his wife. They got no kids. He's been with Jameson for, I think at the time he said nine years, 10 years. And he became the ambassador because he was one of the, one of the highest sales reps and he sells overseas. So he deals with people in different countries selling Jameson. I mean, this is a big deal. This isn't just some girl or guy giving samples at Market Street. This dude's legit. And I said, man, I'd love to go. Well, he gave me, he gave me his card, you know, talk to me if you ever need anything. If you can't get anything from your rep, I'll make it happen. You guys, you guys sell a lot of Jameson. And I said, yeah, man. I said, hey, you know, one day I'll see you in Ireland. And I just said that as a joke. And he said, if you ever come to Ireland, email me. We'll hang out. You know that line. How many times have you said that to people? Hey, man, give me a call. Hey, man, if you're ever in the area, stop by and see me. Hey, man, you know, it's kind of a business thing and you kind of really don't mean it, but you kind of do. But it's not serious, you know. So I was like, okay, whatever. A couple weeks go by and I start thinking about going to Ireland, planning the trip to Ireland. And I start looking around and I'm looking at dates and I'm doing it months from now. So I'm going to do it in July was the plan. I finally picked the dates and I just for fun emailed him and I said, I'm coming to Ireland. I think it was less than 24 hours. I got an email back and he goes, what are the dates? And I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm going to, so in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to send him the dates and he's going to get back to me and say, he's not going to be there. So I sent him the dates. It was almost instantly. And mind you, the time difference, it was almost instantly. And he goes, awesome. When it gets closer, let's plan it out. You're going to come stay with me one night or stay with me is what he said. I could pull up the email and read it. Actually, I still have it. And um, I sat there and I'm like, this is happening. I booked my tickets. I didn't book anywhere to stay. I booked my tickets. And then I started looking at some hostels, which, of course, that word still to this day makes me think of that movie, Hostel. However, I I clearly did not stay in one of those. Um, So I'm going. I tell everybody at work, I'm going to go. I was gone for 13 days. I'm going. It's a solo trip. Brandon's going on a venture. I'm going to drink my way through Ireland and hopefully make it out alive. 
all I did for like the next month was play like U2 and, you know, cardigans and yeah, just <laughs> mostly U2. But I'm just, you know, watching Irish movies and I'm like, oh, this is the best, you know, and uh, I'm getting excited. And as we get closer, he's like, all right, man, tell me your flight information. So I give him all my flight information and we plan out that I that the second day I'm there, I'm going to meet up with him and we're going to hang out. And I'm going to tell you what, I thought that I had hit heaven. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Here I am. I just met this guy. We did one event together and I'm going to go hang out with him in Ireland. Even if we just sit at a pub for a while and have a couple beers, that's amazing. I mean, clearly I'm not going to sleep at this guy's house with his wife and all, or maybe I will end up in a basement somewhere. I don't even know if they have basements in Ireland. Do they? I mean, I, I guess they could. I mean, we don't have them in Texas, but anyway, I thought maybe he's going to throw me in a, a Jameson barrel and bury me somewhere. I mean, I guess if you're going to go out, be in a barrel, I'd be aged. Ooh, do you think that they would make... I don't want to go there. It is almost Halloween, though. So I plan the details of the trip and start looking at where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? Am I going to Belfast? Am I staying in Dublin? Am I going to hit the coast? You know, and everybody's telling me all this stuff to do, you know, go to the Blarney Stone. And I I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the tourist stuff. I don't want to go kiss the Blarney Stone that I've heard that they pee on, you know, like I'm excited about it, but I don't want to go do all the tourist stuff. And as I'm planning, I start looking up hostels because I realize this is, this is where I need to stay. It's cheap. I can bounce around. I'm going, I'm traveling, like traveling light. I've got my backpack, you know, I've got some t-shirts, a hoodie, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out my planning and I'm just going to backpack across Ireland and figure life out, you know? So I kind of start looking at details. He starts sending me some things to check out that, that are cool, that are not so touristy, and then some stuff that is touristy. And I've still got like a month out, you know, a month and a half or something like that. And that's when we started to get to the details of my trip. But that is my time right now, folks. I need to take a time out for a commercial break and come back with part two, Brandon's drunken trip across Ireland. All right, welcome back to part two of the Jameson drunken walking trip across Ireland. I am your host, Brandon Avera. If you missed part one, don't. <laughs> Go back and listen to it, because otherwise you're coming in here going, what the heck is this guy talking about? Uh, currently, I'm drinking a big pint right now, so bear with me. And that time out, I've decided to pour a hack ashore, Oktoberfest, even though it's Germany and we're talking about Ireland, I just felt this was very important. So let me take a sip. And I took the sip. Okay, so just to get you a recap, we are now planning the trip to Ireland with Dylan. Dylan's obviously in Ireland. He is the Jameson ambassador to the States and other countries of, uh, for Jameson. And we are now talking back and forth about where we're going to go, how am I going to get there, what's the details, and so on. So I'm a month out, and we're planning this trip to Ireland. And I have researched Ireland. I've talked to people about Ireland. I know people that have gone to visit. Uh, you know, I'm talking to Dylan, obviously, the, the best source of information. 
And <clears throat> I'm planning some of the things I want to do. So I'm looking at it going, where are we going to go? You know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And this is, you know, th this is what we're talking about. And he has given me some list, you know. He's given me a list of some of the coolest things to do in Ireland. And the question is, for me, am I going to just stick in Dublin? Am I going to travel? What am I going to do? I mean, here I am in one of the best countries out there, beautiful. Um, and I've never been. So, you know, I have a lot. I have a lot of questions. My biggest thing that I wanted to do was not plan. I know that sounds funny. I had to plan where I was going to sleep. I had to plan where I was going to stay. I had to plan, obviously, what I was going to bring and pack. But what was I going to do? Was I going to go to Ashford Castle, you know? Was I going to go listen to live music in Doolin, you know? Was I going to go to a festival or two in Galway, you know? Is there plenty of serious haunted castles out there? Uh, then somebody told me to take a seaweed bath, you know? There's all kinds of crazy things that I could have done in Ireland. And I just did not want to go off the chart. Like, I wanted to go and have a good time. I mean, kayaking uh, sounded amazing. Uh, but let's go have a good time. So that's what I did. I decided I'm going to, I, I knew what my flight was. I knew what we were going to do. And I told Dylan, let's just plan on a day when we meet up, where we're going to meet up, what time we're going to meet up. And we'll go from there because I don't want to do anything else. I mean, my first time in Ireland by myself traveling and I'm about to hang out with Dylan, the ambassador from Jameson. I'm about to go drink a ton of Jameson and see Jameson for that matter. So I emailed him that and he, he agreed that that was a great idea. So now it was a matter of where do I stay? Where, you know, what hostel should I stay in in Ireland? You know, because I don't want to stay at a hotel and I don't want to stay, you know, there was some bee, uh, bed and breakfast that I wanted to stay in, but I didn't know. So I stayed in some hostels or I stayed in a hostel in Dublin and it was a great hostel and I, I was shocked. I was shocked, okay, because it was super cheap. I mean, it was called the Asheville Hostel and I think I paid $13. U.S. dollars for the Asheville Hostel in Ireland. Now, the Asheville Hostel, or in Dublin, is a beautiful little place, okay? Very friendly staff. Um, they offered a bunch of stuff. They had some free guided walking tours. They had pub crawls, things like that that you could do. They gave me free maps of the city and guides. You had Wi-Fi, uh, free Wi-Fi, and they had free breakfast. I mean, this isn't your little crappy hostel. Um, they offer tea and coffee, all kinds of stuff. So I stayed there and I had a great room. I had a great room. It was amazing, super cheap. When I landed, I, you know, I flew through New York and then I landed. And when I left the States, it was like 10 o'clock at night. Okay. So I'm leaving the States at 10 o'clock at night and I got to fly to New York. Um, which was cool because I was hoping to have some time where maybe... I could check out some stuff in New York. Obviously, that didn't work out because of the time and all that. But I stayed up. I was like, I'm going to stay up. 
And you know the difference. I mean, right now it is 7 o'clock in the United States. On a Tuesday, okay, it's 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. It's 1 o'clock in Ireland on a Wednesday. So figure that. I'm talking a.m. So you see the difference. So I wanted to stay up. I wanted to be, you know, be aware of the time change and that that the effects of it would help you. Um, or not help you, I'm sorry. The effects of it would definitely take its toll on you with the jet lag. When I landed, I decided to stay up. I just stayed up. I had a big brunch, some coffee, and I just pushed through the day. And I went to bed that evening after a few pints, and I couldn't tell you where I went. I was in such a daze. I was in the biggest daze ever. And then I woke up the next day and continued my journey. I only stayed two nights at this hostel, okay? And then it was time to meet Dylan. I'm in Dublin. Beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Beautiful. Loved it. It is definitely... You know what? And I'm going to say this. This is going to sound really bad. It is definitely tourist, okay? Because it's a big city. And it's a tourist city. But it still has its characteristics... And it still has, it, it's still Ireland. But I knew, you know, I knew, I just knew that I was in a tourist area. I had a blast. So we went and, you know, I, I went to Temple Bar, of course, because, I mean, you know, you got to go to Temple Bar. You got to go to Temple Bar. So I went to Temple Bar um, <coughs> and I had a blast and it was great and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And I loved everything about it. And Dylan texted me. And I think I was at Ryan's on Parkgate Street. Uh, Parkgate, is that, the, is that right? I think I was at Ryan's. I think so. And Or it was either that or the long haul. I don't remember. And I was at one of those. And Dylan texted me and said, come on in. You know, meet me at Jameson. So I'm going to meet him at Jameson. I got to take another sip. So here I am drinking. I'm the American in Jameson, and or the American in Ireland, and I'm drinking, and I've got to go meet him at the Jameson Distillery. So of course, as you know, the distillery's on Bow Street. You know where it is in Ireland. It's on Bow Street. If you don't, I'm sorry, but it is. And they do whiskey tours and they do all kinds of stuff like that, of course. You can do the whiskey tasting and, and, and that is the official birthplace of Jameson. And it totally does take your experience to a different level. I thought I knew Jameson and I've known it. I've known it for years. But going there and learning about Jameson was one of the best things I've ever did in my life. So I went to the Jameson Distillery. He meets me outside. And we go in and he gives me the tour. And this is his tour. And he's showing me everything. I mean, I am talking like everything that you could possibly imagine. Um, he's showing me. He's showing me what, you know, from how they make it, you know, what they use, you know, everything. And we, we it was He's like, normally the, the tours are typically 40 minutes, 50, 50 minutes. And, I mean, 
they're cheap and they're, you know, they're worth everything that you go. But you're literally following in the footsteps from the first time they started in 1780. You're, you're in there and you feel taken back. Like I can smell the love of Jameson inside these walls. But the coolest thing ever was the tastings. Not just the tastings. You know, we did the black barrel blending class where we talked about Jameson and, and how they come up with it and, and, and the differences and how they age it and all that. But he had these limited releases that were never coming out to the States, that were never leaving the distillery. I mean, I had Jameson and a cherry cask. I, I, I had Jameson that had just numbers on it. I couldn't even tell you what it was. Because it just had numbers on it. It was like 42H, like I was playing bingo. Let me take another drink. And it was amazing. And we drank and we drank. And then he tells me, looks at me, hey, you're going to go have some time to kill. I got to go to work. I got things to do. So I thought maybe I might be done. Like this relationship and, and visitation, visitation, this visit with Dylan might be over. And I got this great buzz on. I'm getting to hang out with this dude. I'm having a ball. But if that's all it is, and he gave me the tour, and and, and that was it, I respect it. I'm grateful. I'm going to have a good time. So I went off about my business. I bounced from pub to pub. I ate. I drank. I probably drank more than I ate. I mean, I'm talking about pints of beer that I don't even have names for. And some I do. And I just drank and drank and drank. I mean, it was ridiculous. So I don't know, it was in the evening. I want to say it was around, if I remember correctly, around 6.30, maybe earlier. And he said, he's done. He, he calls me, he's done. I meet him back up and we meet at a pub. And excuse me, he says, we're going to go back to my house. You know, you know, we'll talk about some stuff to do the next day. I want you to meet my wife. Let's have a good time. I get in his car. So here's me, Brandon Navera, guy from the States, doesn't know anybody, met this dude twice. I'm getting in his car. I'm staying at a hostel. I'm getting in his car. I'm going to his house. There's not one thought inside my body of thinking or mind of thinking, this guy's going to hack me up in a million pieces. And I'm going to age myself in a Jameson barrel. And that's just the way it is. And I guess I'm okay with it because this is a great trip so far. So we go out, we go to his house. He's got a really nice little place. Now, if you look at the homes in Ireland and you look at, I mean, unless you're out in the country, but you look at it and he was, he was outside of the city, but not far enough to be like major, major country. But he, you know, he, he was outside of the city, you know, stone house, small, um, everything's very tight. But on the inside, it was very beautiful. Like, I could see myself living there and being happy. I mean, it wasn't old. You know, we were not sitting there walking through the Shire, and I'm there with Frodo or, or Bilbo, and we're looking for Gollum. Like, none of that stuff. But it was very different than what we consider small in the United States. Now, yes, he had some, you know, modern everything. I mean, his computers were great at the time. And, and you know, again just because it was old and it reminded me of something from way back in the day doesn't mean that it was some ancient caveman type stuff. 
I met his wife. She was phenomenal. She was great. She was nice. We start talking. He immediately goes upstairs, or not upstairs, goes down the hall. He comes back. He's changed. He pours a glass of whiskey. I don't even know what it is. Pours me one. I, I still don't know what it is. And we start drinking. We have a little bit of dinner. We go outside into his, I'm going to call it a backyard, but it was more like like a side garden type thing. Like he had some, you know, plants and all that, but this was like nice table, some chairs, very low key, had some music out there, small, there's a big trees around him. So it felt private and we sat there and we drank and all we did was drink. I was just drinking whiskey, whatever he gave me, I never asked what it was, but it was so good. And we just talked, him and his wife, myself, and we just talked about everything. I think I went to bed at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. maybe. I woke up in his spare room, his guest bedroom. You know, they have no kids. I woke up in his guest bedroom at 9 in the morning. I have the headache from hell. It was like you took a plane and you rammed it into my head and tried to start it up again and take off. And it just kept ramming into my head over and over. Eventually, I thought my brain was going to get on that airplane and burst out of my head because my head was pounding. She's making more breakfast for me because he's gone already. He's gone already to work. She's talking to me. She's got black coffee as can be. She doesn't eat and tea. I had black coffee and tea, and I took tea. Or I took coffee because I don't like tea. I tried it. I just can't do it, man. Just give me coffee. And she didn't even offer me cream and sugar, <laughs> which she must have known. Smart woman. And she made me a big, big, you know, the Irish breakfast. And it is real Irish breakfast. Just hearty, good potatoes, meat, soak up the alcohol. Well, it definitely soaked up the alcohol and almost made me vomit. She drove me back down to the, to the city, dropped me off. He calls me, sees if I'm doing okay, meet me at the distillery. I go to the distillery. I meet him inside. Hey, man, I got a couple things to do. We're going to go hang out afterwards. Gives me a thing of Jameson when I come in. Doesn't tell me what years. Oh, you got to try this. You're going to love it. I smell it, and I'm ready to puke in the barrels. So I take it like a champ. I get back to him. Oh, it's great. I, where's the restroom? And I'm sorry, but I go and I just let it all out in the restroom <laughs> in Dublin at the Jameson Distillery. Everything from this morning and the night before, gone. I, don't worry. I didn't make a mess. I'm not that disrespectful. We, I leave the distillery and I start my little journey. And then he calls me. We meet up for brunt or we meet up for lunch. I'm feeling better because I'm drinking pints at this point. I'm staying away from the whiskey. I'm just drinking pints. We hang out and, and that was it. Like I only saw him those two days. But he always told me, if you ever come back to Ireland, come on back. You're going to love it. You know, we're going to hang out again. You're going to love it. We're going to do some other stuff. He gave me some tips and pointers on what to do. And uh, he gave me the name of this bed and breakfast to go try that was outside of the city, in the countryside. Check it out for yourself. He said, you know, you, you need to experience something other than Dublin. If you want to go to Belfast, here's what you do. 
But you need to experience something other than Dublin because Dublin's great, but Ireland has so much more to offer. And he's right. I mean, some of you have been out there and some of you have been are from there, I'm sure. But he is right. I mean, Ireland has a lot to offer. It's hard to, to sit there and figure out what you want to do and, and where you want to go. This beer has a lot to offer right now, I'll tell you that much. Um, so he gives me this bread and breakfast name. I go back to my hostel, and I got a decision to make. I can try to stay another couple days, or where do I go? You know, do I go to this bed and breakfast? Do I go to Belfast? Where, you know, what do I do? He tells me to go to this bread, uh, bed and breakfast, and that I'll love it. So... I'm going to listen to her. So I start looking up these, these bed and breakfasts and, and where to go. And I end up going to this great place. I really liked it. It was called, I'm going to say it wrong. I, I know I'm going to say it wrong. So bear with me. Maybe I should just spell it for you guys so you don't butcher the heck out of it. But um, <laughs> it was a Breakin Cottage. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. And I decided to go there, but I have to take a train. So I pack my stuff. I leave the hospital. I take a train. I go out to the Beacon Cottage. And it is this big, giant house. I mean, it's not a cottage. It's a house. And there's this older couple there. Couple there, And they're very nice. Thick Irish accent. Obviously, I'm walking around with my, you know, Detroit Tiger hat on. So I look like, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb. I stay there, they give me the rules, you know, you got to come back at this time, and I just start exploring, and I'm just seeing the beauty, I'm just seeing the beauty of the rolling, rolling grass, the green grass and the hills, and the big trees, and the sky, and it smells great, I mean, I'm starting to smell the water, but everything about it is is just remarkable, I mean, the greenness of the grass, like, I can't tell you, like, you know, I live in Texas, so things don't always get green down here. It's just kind of burnt and gross. But when you see green, green, like back in Michigan, it is gorgeous. This green looks like a painting. Every hill, every tree, every open field was just a painting of beauty. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what they mean. This is what they mean by get out of the city. You know, get out of the city um, go see the country and look at the beauty of it. And they were right because I know those trees were big and old. Like they were old. They had seen some stuff. If those trees could talk, they could see some stuff and it was just beautiful. So I'm just, I was blown away. I mean, I I can't stress that enough. Um, I was blown away and it looked like nothing I ever seen Ever and it was July, and it wasn't it wasn't really cold. I mean, I think it was like seventies. They were experiencing a quote unquote heat wave, so I think it was like seventy five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know the best time to go, they tell me, is between March and May, and then September to November. That's what they tell me. Obviously, July is the hottest time of year. It's summertime. But it's still Ireland summer. It's not Texas summer. 
So I didn't really even get to wear my hoodie but one time, and that was when I was by the water, and the water was very cold. So I'm walking around, and I'm checking things out. I go to some shops. I do some shopping. I'm buying some gifts to bring back home. I'm taking pictures. I'm just really enjoying the fact that I'm on my own little journey right now without anybody around me. No, you know, no, no work to answer, no events to promote, no family to deal with, like nothing. And I was just really enjoying that moment and looking at the beauty of Ireland. So I walk in and I'm like, it's time for another beer. And I walk into this bar and I'm walking far. I have nowhere to go. Like, I, I, I don't know where, I, where I'm going to begin with. My phone is cutting in and out. But I'm looking and I see a pub. And this pub was, I got to be honest with you, I don't even know if it had a name on it. But I walked in and it was dark, which is beautiful. That's what I wanted. Nice, dark pub. And it was, it was really dark. And I hear music in the background. But nothing new. You know, they're not playing Eminem over there. Not even Irish. Like, I couldn't even tell what it was. I just tell it was like the tone of music. It was very faint. I didn't see any speakers or jukebox or a band playing. I saw uh, two people sitting at a table with a woman. I'm assuming it was a server talking to them. I saw the bartender and two older gentlemen at the one end of the bar. So I sat at the opposite end. And the guy goes, the guy comes up to me, the bartender, in the thickest Irish accent I could ever tell you. And I do not have a good Irish impression, so I'm not going to do it. It always comes out Scottish or I sound like Fat Bastard from Austin Powers, so I'm not going to do it. But he's got a thick Irish accent. He asked me what I'll have. I said, I have a beer. We have dark and we have light. That's what he tells me. He doesn't tell me the names. There's no hundred taps. There's no, there's no specials. We have dark. I'll take dark. And he gives me a stout, and this is a gorgeous stout. It's a little warm the way it should be. It's breathing. It's not Guinness. It's got some thickness to it. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't even check it in on untapped. But I fell in love with it. These two guys look at me, and I feel them staring at me. You know, when, you've, when, you're, when you're like me, and you've, you've worked in the bars, and you've hung out in some areas you shouldn't have, and you worked in the clubs, and you've been in Detroit and Chicago, and, and even, <laughs> I guess, parts of Dallas these days, you always have your head on a swivel. You're, you're watching. You're watching where the exits are. You're watching what people are doing. You're watching who's coming in. You're just keeping an eye on things. So I felt them watching me. And I look over to him and I raise my glass and I look back. Now I've got this Detroit hat on. I've got a backpack. I don't belong here. And they look at me and they said, hey, boy. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, typically, as many of you know, you don't say, hey, boy. It's a disrespectful thing. It's disrespectful for a lot of reasons. But he didn't, hey, boy, what are you drinking? I said, I'm drinking a beer, stout. Yeah, we're, we're, we're drinking whiskey. I raise my glass. Okay, have fun. And I'm like, I'm going to finish this stout and get out of here because the last thing I need to do is get in a fight in Ireland, number one. Number two, get in a fight in Ireland in this bar. And number three, I have no idea where I am, who's around, what's going on. So they, you know, a few minutes later, I'm sipping on my stout. I don't want to slam it and get out of there. 
because you look like a coward. They follow you. You know what I mean? So I'm sipping on it. But I'm like, I'm going to finish this in a timely manner. And I'm going to make my way out very casually. And I'm going to G-T-F-O. Fast. Hey, boy, what are you drinking? He says again. Drinking, Still drinking the stout. Drinking beer. Yeah, well, we're drinking whiskey. You should drink whiskey. Love whiskey, man. Had too much last night. You can never have too much. You must can't handle it, boy. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. Part of me wants to bash this stout over this guy's head. Mind you, I was a little younger back then and a little wild. So you have to bear with me, guys. I'm not the calm, patient, Gandhi-like figure that I am right now. Third time. Hey, boy, why don't you come down here and drink whiskey with us? So now I'm at this precipice. I got this choice. Do I go down there and have whiskey with the strangers that keep calling me boy and possibly risk getting shanked, jacked, and, and, and put back in a non-Jameson barrel, but maybe put somewhere I don't want to be? Or do I ignore him and really insult him? What do I do? So I decide to go down there and have whiskey. He buys me a whiskey. I'm sipping on it. He buys me another one. They shoot it. So they're sipping on one, and then they buy another one to shoot. And they were both very different. I have no idea what they were. And we start drinking, and we start talking. 30, 40 minutes later, we're all drunk, and we're good. Coolest guys in the world, love them to death. We start hanging out. We're drinking, we're laughing. We go to another pub together. We go to another pub together. We're walking along, going to go look at the coast. We're drinking. I mean, we are, these guys are old school, old Irish guys. And it was awesome. They called me Detroit. They called me Michigan. They, <laughs> you know, they kept on calling me boy, which I'm like, okay, this is not an insult. We're having a blast. Out of nowhere, here's these two dudes that act like the toughest, you know, sons of anarchy, Irish, tough, whatever, guys, that they can do whatever they want. They get a phone call. The one guy gets a phone call from his wife. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. Their attitude, their tone, everything changes. And I'm left in this town. I have no, no idea where I am, drinking by myself, trying to get back to my bed and breakfast. So I end up staying at the bed and breakfast. I make it my way back. I end up staying at the bed and breakfast another day. I never made it to Belfast, ever. And I wish I would have. But I spent the day, my last day in Ireland before I had to you know, sleep at the hostel. I met back up with Dylan and his wife. We go out to dinner. We drink, but we just hang out. It's low key. And I go back to the hostel. I, I take my nap. I get on the plane. I'm back in the States. But I'm telling you right now, I could never believe that from a simple introduction, a simple business venture, a dinner at the Londoner Frisco, that I would meet Dylan from Ireland and hook up with him to fly to Ireland just to hang out. And to this day, I still talk to him. Not on a regular basis. I'd say the last time we emailed was a month ago, two months ago. The last time we text was probably three months ago. 
But it, 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 ever since then, and mind you, the Londoners closed now. All of them except for like one or two, whatever. It's been, what, seven years, eight years? I think something, I don't know, six, seven, eight, something like that. It's been longer than that. And we still communicate. And it was all from a simple, hey, I'm driving around with this rep. He wants to do an event. It went from that to the Jameson dinner to connecting to booking the trip to now I've got this connection in Ireland. And the people I met there and the beauty of it, I would go back in a minute. It was beautiful. I could live there. I don't think I will, but I could live there. And it was just amazing. And it was so good for the soul because taking that adventure by myself, look, traveling with people is great. Traveling with family is great. But when you get to go and you've got nobody to answer to but yourself, if you want to stay in your hotel, which why would you? But if you want to stay in your hotel till midnight and then get out and go get a bite to eat and then go back to your hotel, you can. If you want to sleep in till 10, get up and drink all day at one bar and never leave that bar, you can do it because you don't have anybody to answer to. I saw a few tourist things. Yes, I went to some castles and all that. But the reality, the trip, the meat of it, the bones of this, the, 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 the real just important stuff of this trip was the connections I had with Dylan and the adventures by myself, meeting people, drinking with them, talking with them, and just leaving and going on to the next location, sitting there by the water, by the ocean, watching it crash. The waves just crash upon the rocks, sitting there in the middle of a green field that only Ireland could produce and just thinking about nothing. That's what this adventure was. Granted, I was drunk most of my time there, but that's what the adventure was. And I loved it. So I highly suggest, if you get an opportunity, to travel. Travel. Of course, it's hard now. Um, and the other thing is, if you get the opportunity to be on a trip by yourself, I say take it, but I'm not putting families and married people down. If you get the opportunity to go to Ireland, do it. But even if it's not Ireland, Italy, Mexico, you know, somewhere in the States, and you really want to go, take the opportunity because now in my life, with Luke, I don't know when the next time I'll be able to go to, uh, to Ireland or, or overseas. I don't know when I will be able to even really go, you know, on a big trip across the country with him. Because, I mean, you've got COVID, but because of money, you know, things change, circumstances change, finances change. And traveling can be done cost effective. You can have a cost-effective vacation, but overall you spend money that you don't have or you have to save for some time. I highly suggest that you find time to do it, though. Whatever you got to do, take it. You know, if you're, if you're getting ready to get out of college and you want to take a trip, take a trip. Do it. Just do it. If you've got the opportunity and you want to 
you know, hey, I was going to stick around this week, but I, you know, for my vacation, but I really want to travel somewhere. Drive somewhere. It doesn't have to be far. There are places right here in Texas where I live and, you know, some of you that I've never seen before that you could spend some really good time and you could just drive there. Texas is huge. I mean, there's all kinds of things here that, that you could do, but do it because traveling is so good for the soul and it's an experience that you'll never forget. And Ireland to me is one that will always rest in my heart. And I'm very happy and grateful for the people that I met and the time that I spent there, as well as meeting Dylan. I mean, who does that? Me, just your life of an average Joe. Okay, guys, I'm going to go finish my beer. I appreciate you guys listening. I want you guys to be safe out there. Don't forget to follow the Life of an Average Joe podcast on all your favorite platforms right here on Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, thank God, and many more. And don't forget to follow Toy Cars on the Nightstand, my blog. I've got some really nice things I talk about in there. You know, another insight into my life and and life in general. So check those out. And the final plug, Trash Talk with Stuart Sachs. Every Tuesday at 8 a.m., you can listen to it right here on Anchor or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can watch it on YouTube. So don't forget to check that out as well. Lots of stuff going on here in my world. I hope you guys are having a a great time. And I will see you guys uh, probably, uh, I don't know, shortly with another one. Take it easy.